this week on the Open Nesters podcast with Heather Hunhausen. Well, if you think about it, I haven't stopped living because I have children. I'm producing music. I started my own business. I'm going to fetish parties. I'm whatever, dating, not dating, being single, being whatever. I feel super blessed as a parent. So as I experience more and more of this, what I'm going to call feminine power, because it felt like the masculine inside of me, but really it was the feminine, like demanding what she wants and the masculine saying, yes, ma'am, I've got it. Yes, I've got you. I've got you. This amazing thing happened to me that I'd never experienced in my entire life before, which was that I trusted a man. Welcome to the Open Esther's Podcast. How will you write Act 3 of your life? Will you be open? Will you welcome the possibilities? Are you going toward your most vibrant, authentic stage of life? Are you curious to discover what's ahead? Are you in a fork in the road and wondering which path to follow? Would you like to hear from others who are already writing Act 3? Hey everyone, I'm Tessa. And I'm Amir. Why be an empty nester when you can be an open nester, living on the edge of your curiosity, on the fringe of your imagination, reinvention, and sexuality? Together, we'll take a journey and explore how rich this stage of life can be when we approach it with an open mind and an open heart. Well, Tessa, I was waiting for this episode for a while. We titled it Paradoxical Powers Healing with the Dominatrix. And there's really a healing power here. And I never thought about, you know, a person that is interested in uh, BDSM and being a dom myself, I never thought that there's a power of healing with it. And here, Heather is really describing it so, so well, how BDSM helped her with her life. So any open esters that are interested in opening up for some kink, this will be a very, very interesting. Absolutely. That's the reason I loved inviting her on because I met her and she's a transformative life coach and such an intuitive and comes from a really spiritual approach. So you're going to find this episode really fascinating. It starts with a spirituality and it really progresses. Let's hear it from Heather, the Dominatrix. Welcome to the Open Nesters podcast, Heather Handhausen. I'm so happy to see you again. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. It's so great to be here. Thanks for having me. And we are all just going to take a deep breath together because I love how Heather was so honest with us to say, you know, sometimes the questions are not the answers. Like we don't have to have a structure for life all the time. And we're here today to discuss exactly that and try to get into flow with Heather because she's a transformational life coach, craniosacral, trigger point massage therapy and body mind transformational coach. And a person that I felt her energy when I met her in Fort Lauderdale and feel like I'm just so lucky to be able to see you, even though you guys only get to hear her. So welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Looking forward to uh, hear all about it because I heard very bits and pieces all around. So now I like to put all the dots together. So now you get to actually meet me. Exactly. 
So we'll start with your personal story about where, what brought you kind of to where you are now. I mean, the, the, I guess the highlights, but I do want to, I want to say that, that Heather has two, almost two teenage boys that, so she's already starting to think about the open nester stage of life. Actually, I'm, I'm thinking about maybe having another one. Oh. Oh, I that. <laughs> so really openness, like the idea of all things can happen. <laughs> yeah, all things can happen. I love it. I love it. So tell us a little bit about your story so we know, you know, where you would you like to know my story um, as far as my <laughs> career goes. Your well, career and your personal life. So let's start with your personal. So you just started just saying life. you may have another child. So that's pretty I amazing. May. And so I my, gonna... yeah, my personal life. Um, has been amazing. It's been, it's been an incredible journey. Um, my upbringing was uh, sort of one of these traditional American upbringings. My parents ended up getting divorced. Um, it was a nightmare, my childhood for me. And I didn't know that at the time. And I don't like to necessarily talk about it like that now, because I've healed all those relationships with my mom and my dad and my sister. But there was a lot of trauma for me growing up psychological, emotional. My mom drank too much. And uh, my dad, you know, when, when he was there, he was very controlling. And then when he wasn't there, we, there was kind of no parent. So it was, um, I feel like I, my training for like everything happened in my childhood, because I became very aware of my surroundings all the time. And incredibly intuitive. I remember being about six years old, I was sitting in the windowsill looking out at this big oak tree and I remember it was like almost like God tapped me on the shoulder and was like you're mine and you're going to do work for me on the planet and I was like I remember crying and thinking like okay like I'm gonna give myself over to you and then from that moment on like things got really bad in my in my childhood my parents um they did not get along at all I remember being about eight years old. I asked them, you know, are you guys going to get divorced? And my mother was like, we would never do that to you kids. <laughs> and they did get divorced finally when I was 18. But I remember my father sitting me down for breakfast and saying, how do you think I can make the marriage with your mother work? And so I think I have a master's in marriage and family therapy and uh, mm -hmm. mental health. And I I believe that my training for that began at about eight years old when he, you know, yeah. sat me down at breakfast and said, like, how am I going to, how, how am I going to make this work with your mom? Are you consider yourself a spiritual person? Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. Since the very beginning. Um, and, and that was, it was encouraged in my household. There's a lot of, there are a lot of psychic people in my family. They don't talk about it. They don't tout it. No one uses their gifts, but everyone knows like when lightning is going to crash or when people are going to show up or it's very normal in my family. Genetic, so you would say, or just, it just happened. Consciousness is Consciousness. like some kind of. Yeah. I don't know how it all works. I I'm not, I'm not necessary. I used to be very interested in trying to figure all the answers out. And at this point, I just like to witness it and say, you, wow, that's fascinating. Do you think, do you think the DNA have transferred to the kids? Oh, for sure. I mean, well, whether it's DNA or whether it's just way of being, yeah. my children are very aware. It's, I remember at six years old, Jack came, my youngest came to me and he said, mom, what if you see this as, you know, we call it red, but what if I see blue and you see yellow, but we both call it red? 
And I was like, you're my offspring, because I remember asking my mother the same question when I was young and her telling me I was crazy for asking this question. And I and I started talking to him at six years old about, you know, vibration and interpretation and the collective consciousness and how we're, you know, we have this idea that we all understand things on a physical material level, but we probably don't. Uh, you know, I I believe a lot of it is this sort of collective conscious, if you've ever seen the movie, The Matrix, it's this idea we're all living in this matrix, but the reality is that consciousness is driving all of it. And each one of us are just a piece of consciousness trying to express itself. Right. I I totally agree. As you know, I studied consciousness. So you were at 18 years old and the parents got divorced. So just bring you back to your story. Yep. Okay. So I actually met my husband in college. I was 21. He was 18. And when I met him, I saw my two boys. I saw them when I met him. And I said to him, I'm going to have two, two boys with you. And uh, I, I probably said that within the first like three weeks of dating him. And I actually okay. told his mother the first time I met her. And she said her fingernail marks are still in the table at the mall. <laughs> it's such <laughs> an incredible story. I remember you telling me that. Yeah. Chills. Yeah. And you know what? You're saying it now. It's like I also had some kind of a... A, a, like a response, like a when you told me about having a baby, you you've probably seen that because that was so strong. And when you said it, yeah, she's have... um she has like curly blonde hair, and <gasps> yeah, I can see her. Yeah. Wow, yeah. it's so beautiful, Heather. What a what a what a really taking <laughs> us out of the reality of the daily life to see our bigger picture by just considering. I don't have a a question because I'm in an awe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you know, if you want to know, how did I get there? I mean, I've, I started meditating when I was 14 years old I'm 45 years old. So that's 31 years of consistent meditation. Um, I started practicing yoga probably in college. So maybe around 18. So there's another almost 30 years of, of practicing yoga. So I think just my devotion, my dedication to my spiritual practice, when I was 11, my parents sent me to a camp that was a Christian camp. And I remember receiving the Holy Spirit of Christ into my body. And I made that conscious decision then. At 14, I met a woman that I call my spirit mother, and she flipped everything that I thought I knew about religion on its head. And she started teaching me how to pay attention to the signs. And she would take me out in nature and she would show me how God is always talking to us through everything. And so, I mean, this started 30 years ago for me this journey. Wow. So you're really tapping it for helping others. So, so now you, Oh, I mean, that's the only, right. That's the only reason. Well, 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 let's take it even a step further because there is no other, there are no others. There is only one collective. Do do you think it's those instincts came as a survivalist initially or just protect yourself? I mean, you say only one. No, only no, one no, doesn't no. mean only one about her. She means only one in the greater consciousness of things. I see. We're all yeah, like, like other. as in we're, we're all other. one. You guys are just a projection of my consciousness. I'm a projection of your consciousness. So there is no Tessa. There is no Amir. It's only, there's only, for me, from my perspective, there's only Heather. If you guys, I don't know if you've ever read that book, Zero Limits. I think Joe Vitale wrote it. It's a it's about the Hapono Ono Ono theory. I haven't read it, but I love it's, the Hapono Oh my God, it's amazing. And it's about a man whose name is like Len something foreign that I can't say. And he is a psychiatrist who treats an entirely mentally, criminally insane prison, like a like a hospital prison 
he treats 80% of the clients without ever seeing one of them, only by reading their charts and healing inside of himself what he recognizes in them. And so the idea is, because there's no other, we're all one. Depending on how vast I'm vibrating, if you tell me what's going on, I'm getting so many chills right now. If you tell me what's going on inside of you that's hurting and in pain, which I can feel right now, I can take it into me and I can recognize what that pain is like inside of me. And then I can heal that pain inside of me with the, I'm sorry, I love you, I forgive you. Um, thank you. Thank you. And as I release what's inside of me, it releases inside of you. And that's the, the premise of this book. And when I read that book, I was like, this is it. So this is one of the, one of the techniques that I practice like every day. I'm just holding, I allow spirit to come in and tell me, okay, who's suffering? Okay, why? How is it part of me? And how do I release this inside of me? So people will say, for instance, this building just crashed down here in um, Miami Beach. And people are like, we need first responders and da 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 Instead, what I'll do is I'll sit in meditation and I will like take in all of that pain and clear it so that these people, you know, I, I say in quotation marks because, you know, we, we perceive still that people are outside of us, but so that the healing is happening on a collective scale. And if we could get all of us, actually, if we could just get 2% of us to do what I'm doing, the whole thing would switch. The whole thing would transform. We could switch the planet and transform it. But it, yeah. And it's so vast and we don't understand so much that the fact that you've been so intuitive for so long is so beyond you just being a quote unquote transformational coach because it's coming <laughs> from the inside in a way that you really connect with others. And so I love what you're telling us so much. I, I'm, I'm wondering, I mean, you have a high level of consciousness and intuition and you can probably read people a lot more better than others. Does that ever affect you to... Uh, move on with relationship, move on with conversations. I mean, you smile. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It gives me the tell, opportunity tell me about to love. That. It gives me the opportunity to love people so, so deeply. And not only that, but very fast speed. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, 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 uh, cut, you cut through the chase. Yeah. I know all that stuff. Yeah. That's conversation is small talk <laughs> exactly. and, and, exactly. I, and you already go to number 58. Before. Yeah. I mean, Tessa can, can attest to it. She absolutely. saw me do it when we were in a small group, when we Absolutely. met, I, how many, there was maybe eight, 10 women yeah. and they were sharing some intimate stuff. And I just, boom, you know, go. Absolutely. And, and just, and, and I think the idea that we, we have this vibrational energy around this little circle of what one of the women likes to call goddess circles. Like the idea of us elevating our energies is a beautiful thing. And women can do it a little more than men when they're tuned in, but we want to help heal, heal all people. I mean, let it be one. So I love that Amir is on this conversation with us because it was interesting. I, you know, I told him that you had such, I felt such a spiritual side from you and that you also were able to have this other side of you, which if you don't mind discussing on your personal, I asked you if you sure, would about your Dom side, like yeah. what, what do you think? How do you think that is 
a part of consciousness because I've read some of, for example, Barbara Corella's stuff on urban Tantra. She talks about consciousness and Tantra being similar to all kinds Absolutely. of BDSM because of that. So I'd love you to elaborate on that. If oh, that's so cool. I haven't so read that. So whatever that is, I want you to get me that resource okay. afterwards. But, but I have uh, I have a gap here from 21. When you, <laughs> He's much more linear. He wants the story. Yeah, well, the story, I mean, I, <laughs> Let me tell you, okay, let me tell you the story. The story is but, but, but you see, I, I don't have your intuition to to read through that story so right. fast. I'll tell you the story. So, so, excuse so I my, met my husband, um, I was Thank 21 you, and he's 18 we dated for five years he wasn't he was younger you know and he wasn't really ready for marriage so i said okay well i'm gonna go get my master's in mental health and marriage and family in gainesville and he's like you can't go to gainesville without me i can't go with you to gainesville unless we're married and i was like well i guess we're gonna you know whatever that's up to you <laughs> so we ended up getting engaged while we were and he ended up going to grad school also so we were both in grad school we got engaged we got pregnant with my first son Gabriel before the wedding um, which was a gift because I actually didn't know if I would be able to get pregnant because I'd had lots and lots of sex for a long time and never had any babies and I was like wow I wonder if I'm even going to be able to and then boom I you know it was such a gift in my opinion from God that we got this baby like before we even said I do. And then the second baby came just as unexpected as the first one. We but you house. saw it, but you saw it. Why are you saying? Oh, I knew, I knew that they were coming. I didn't know when, I didn't know when they were coming. I see. Yeah. You knew yeah. they were there, but you didn't know when. Yeah, no, yeah, I don't have and any. And also, you know, there's also doubt in between this consciousness or your intuition and your physical body and reality. Like sometimes we oh, still have doubt. I mean, this does not make you a perfect angel. An right? Exactly. I'm not talking topic. about so that. Exactly. So let's, we'll we'll <laughs> yeah. move past that now. I mean, I would love to spend an hour <laughs> talking about that. Okay, I you and I offline, we will. Yeah, but I think that's actually the thing where most humans get caught up is like, how do I do this spiritual side of me? And how do I do this like three-dimensional material part of me that needs to survive and my body is screaming at me to like protect myself and save myself and be safe um and that i think that's the hardest balance there Absolutely. is as a human so you it got your master sense. you you uh you married well i, I child is coming along i um i i went to get my master's of marriage and family instead i got married and had a family <laughs> <laughs> okay. and my 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 pregnancies and deliveries and babies were hard like some people have really easy all of that, mine was extremely traumatic. And that's actually part of the story that's coming. My husband and I had a big problem uh, very shortly after both of the boys were- um, Oh, he cheated. Yes, that's what happened. Okay. I just, I don't wanna say it in this space. So So we had a hard time when they were one and three. Um, And he moved out of the house for six months and for me, that was my, like, literally my, my wake up call. It was like the smack in the face. Hey, Heather, you've got some work to do. Um, because up until that point, everything had just been really spiritual. And then at this point, it was like, I had to figure out how do I do the human part? Mm-hmm. Because I was an overachiever, perfectionist, controlling, bitchy, naggy, like super um, gripping all of it. And it, I, I can't even imagine what it was like to be in a relationship with me. And then I had these traumatic pregnancies and births, boom, boom, back to back. We bought a house. We both graduated from grad school. I mean, it was so much stress. It's, you know, it makes sense to me why it happened. And so for five more years, uh, I did everything that I could to figure out how to make that marriage work. 
And I'm so grateful that I did because I learned every, not everything, but so much about who I am and how I do relationships. I had a therapist, I had a coach, I had a women's group. I was doing personal development courses. I did another personal development course. I started my business. So then of course I'm investing into all kinds of personal development for my business. It was amazing growth that time. And even though the marriage fell apart, he's still one of my very best friends in the whole wide world. Well, the father so of your children. Yeah, father of my I mean, children. Father yeah. of children is a fact, but the very, very best friend takes that, that takes oh, yeah. investment. That's oh, a lot of investment and, and on both of our parts. Right. And we have a very strong soul tie. It's just, it's inseparable. We've both tried to do work to cut the tie and like, it's, it's not happening. <laughs> So it's fine. I just accept it for what it is. And it's actually taught me so much about love and unconditional love and how you can hold space and love someone so much, so strongly, and that it's okay for them to be in relationship with someone else, marry someone else, have sex with someone else, whatever. Um, which brings us to the part of the podcast that, you know, you invited me here for, which is, you know, open relationships and unconditional love and the dominatrix and all of that sort of stuff. If you like this episode, you'll also love episode six, Play, with Enchantress Shane, and episode 18, Queerness, Inclusion, and an Ecstatic Life. So that does bring us, but it doesn't bring us up to speed with your current situation, which I do wonder how that's, how that, how you feel about that and how, right. how, you, where we can are, talk about that now. No, but, where, <laughs> but where, yeah. So what's the in-between? So yeah, give us more of that journey. Uh, okay. So, well, after we got divorced, I actually, um, I, I love this piece of the story. I think it's important. I dated a, a person who was transgendered from male to female and went through that transition with them and my kids were involved. So my kids lived with us and that relationship actually ended up falling apart too, just because she decided not to take care of herself. And I didn't want to live with the person who refused to take care of themselves. Like after about a year of this, I was like, listen, you got to get help. You got to get medications correct. And, you know, at some point you got to let go of people who aren't taking care of themselves. And I'm glad that I did because uh, I think it made a healthier environment for my home, even though I still have very strong feelings for this person. After that, I had a few more you know, significant relationships, maybe two more significant relationships, and then became single for the first time ever. <laughs> I've been like a serial monogamous my whole life, eat before my husband and then after my husband. So when I became single, so um, gosh, when did that happen? At some point I decided to go see, oh, I know I was coaching a woman who was um, a stripper and maybe some other things. And she was done with that life. And so she was, she hired me as a coach to help her do some different things. And the first job that she got was working like with men who were these six, she was managing these six men in like a lawnmower shop or something like that. So it was perfect for her because women who are strippers are managing men all the time. So she knew how to manage all that masculine energy. It was fascinating to watch this transformation. And as she got that job and she was only making like $35,000, $40,000, which was way less than what she was making as a stripper, she said, Heather, I got to do something different. And so she's, I said, why don't you study Tantra? Because when we did inner child work, I do like hypnosis and inner child work with my clients. And when she did her inner child work, her six-year-old was like, I love Playboy bunnies. And so we realized that even at a very young age, she had this sexual nature to her. And so it was about how do we teach her to own the sexual nature without it being this 
bad and wrong thing, you know, in this culture of shame. And she looked into being a Tantra facilitator, became a Tantra facilitator, was amazing at it, immediately started having tons and tons of clients, making hundreds of thousands of dollars, like she did great right out the gate. And then through that journey, she became a dominatrix. And I was still coaching her and she was like, wow, I can get the candle flame out with the whip, like all kinds of really fascinating things. And I started noticing that I had multiple strippers, dominatrixes, women who worked in strip clubs, couple of prostitutes, people in open relationships, people studying non-monogamy, people in non-monogamous relations, all of these clients were coming to me. All of that, I had all of these people were showing up in my space. And because there's no other, I said, how is this me? Like, how is, how am I all of these? Coming to your space in what way? As a client yes. to learn how to be a dominant? No, my clients, my clients were coming to, no, at this time, I didn't even know that I wanted to do that. I didn't even know that I was, wanted to discover open relationships, non-monogamy, none of that. I was always a very monogamous one person at a time. Although before my husband, I cheated on like every single boyfriend I ever had, because I feel like you can love more than one person at a time. And, um, you know, the most of society does not agree with this, but I experienced, As we know, it, but I experienced it. So, um, where was I with the story? So yeah. all of the, these the, clients, all, all these clients were coming to, to me for coaching. They were coming to me for coaching. Some of them were coming for body work and all of the conversation was about this whole world that I'd never been introduced to. And so this one client I had who became a Tantra facilitator, then a dominatrix. I said, I want you to teach me. I want you to teach me how to be a dominatrix. I want to learn. I have a call for this. So she did. It was amazing. And so this is going to answer your question, Tessa, about how does for her, right. right. So for her, she couldn't put Tantra together with the dominatrix because for her, there was this sexual, sensual, loving, unconditional, loving, fantastic goddess that took care of people. And then on the other side, there was this very abusive, angry, aggressive part of her, and they were not integrated at all. Two, 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 two very polarizing uh, sides Energies. of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah, it was very feminine. And I don't, I don't know if I want to call yeah. it feminine and masculine, but it was, it was very sensual. Yeah, graceful yeah. and then very like doing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and I came I think it's receiving and active. I would maybe. call it receiving and active. Maybe, maybe. This was definitely the, the, the dominatrix part of hers was very aggressive because there's all different kinds of dominatrixes, which I learned. So when I, she said, if you want me to teach, you have to come be my sub. I said, okay, I trust you. And then she let me watch her be with other subs. So that's also how I learned. I want to tell you my personal experience of Good. when I was with her. And then I want to tell you how I integrated the Tantra and the dominatrix part. And then now she, she's able to do that also. So my experience, because I'm a healer and she's a healer. When I went to her, I said, okay, here are my issues. My limiting beliefs are I'm not good enough. I never get anything right. I always feel like I need to be perfect. Uh, I'm not pretty. I'm not smart. Uh, basically, I'm not, I'm not ever going to get anything right. And I'm not good enough. She wrote all that down. So I was terrified because I'm such a controller. I was terrified of this experience. I did not want to be a submissive. And 
And also I knew that the kind of dominatrix she was, there was no sexuality at all in her style of dominating. It was all beating and aggressive and demeaning and okay. So I was like, here we go. So she hooks me up to the cross, like a body cross. So my arms are outstretched, my legs are outstretched and I freaked out. She barely touched me at all with this. I don't even know what it's called. Little pokey thing on my back and I'm screaming and I'm like yellow. <laughs> and she's like, what the hell is the matter with you? She grabs me by my hair and she's like, you need to realize that there's a difference between perceived fear and real fear. And, and, uh, and I'm like, I'm freaking out. <laughs> you know? And I'm not even supposed to say these words, you know, I'm like, I'm only allowed to say yellow, red, pineapple, or whatever my word was, you know, and like, can you take a note? Oh, and permission to speak. So I'm like, permission to speak. And she's like, what? And I'm like, I am freaking out. I'm freaking out. You know, she's like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. So she un unhooks me from the cross and she takes me over to this spank bench where you're kneeling on a cushion, but you're and your belly is on a cushion and your butt is like kind of up in the air. And she takes this I'm blindfolded and I hear this like, and I'm like, what is that? Is it tape? And she's like, I'm going to wrap you up with this. And I'm like, what is it? I'm freaking out. You know, and she's like, she wraps me with it and she goes, stand up. And I stand up and it comes off like tissue paper. And I realize it's saran wrap. So she says, I'm going to wrap you with the saran wrap. You can get out of it if you want, but I'm going to wrap it really tightly. And then I'm going to beat you. And I'm going to beat you with all of the words that you told me are your limiting beliefs. And when you've had enough of a beating, you're going to stand up and you're going to take the weapon from me and you're going to make me stop. So I'm like, all right, like I'll probably make her stop. What an exercise. Oh my right. So I tell, I'm thinking, well, I'll probably make her stop in like five minutes, five seconds is what I'm thinking in my head. So she got me all strapped up and she starts hitting me with, you know, things that are light-ish. And I'm like, this isn't bad. And she starts saying the words. And my thought instantly becomes, you can't hit me as hard as I hit myself. Wow. That's what came to mind. Wow. And I was like. I watched, so tell, tell me I watched those words. Tell me those words that you were saying. Uh, you're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. Um, you're not smart enough. Nobody loves you. You're not pretty. Um, you'll never get anything right. You're so stupid. You get everything wrong all the time. And I was like, yeah, I told her. I already told her what my limiting beliefs were. Like, I know them because I've been doing personal development for years and years and years. Like, and I work with people with all these limiting beliefs. And I'll, I'll say to my coaching clients, these are my limiting beliefs. What We got to figure out what yours are, you know, because everybody has different ones. And, and a lot of people have a, a lot of the same ones. I start talking so fast, I get excited. So she's hitting me with my own limiting beliefs. And in my mind, I'm going, you can't hit me hard enough. And she switches weapons and she starts hitting me hard. And I'm still thinking, there's no way you can hit me as hard as I hit myself. I believe everything you're saying. You, like didn't, verbal you didn't verbalize it. You no, were it's all in my thinking. mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she's hitting and she's like, what the fuck is it? Oh, am I allowed to curse? Yeah, yeah. yeah you can oh, say she's like, what the fuck is the matter with you? Why don't you get up and take this weapon from me? You're such a pussy. And she starts with this whole thing. And I'm thinking this this isn't going to work either. Like, cause I don't fucking care. And uh, so then she goes to get another weapon, by the way, her wall is covered with weapons. And when I was introduced to the space, she goes through weapon by weapon by weapon. And she says, what do you think about this one? What do you think about this one? I go, that one's fine. That one's fine. That one looks scary. I don't know about that one. I have no idea what that is. You know what I mean? And we just went, you know, piece by piece right. by piece. 
And so she goes to grab one that I told her about, which I didn't, I didn't know at the time I'm, I'm blindfolded. And she gives me one good whack with it. And boom, I was off the table. I rip my, um, blindfold off. I grab her. I literally like tackle her to the ground. She's this tiny little thing, <laughs> tackle her to the ground. And I, I rip, I take the thing out of her hand and rip my blindfold off and it's the wooden spoon, which made me so mad because what was happening for me on the table was my father was in my mind telling me you're not good enough and you'll never be smart enough. And you're so stupid. And all this. the wooden spoon, my mother used to threaten us with the wooden spoon when we were bad. And, and so what happened on a like subconscious level was I refused and my boundaries with my mother at the time were impeccable and I refused to have my mother hurt me ever again. So when that wooden spoon hit me, I was at the table in just one second. And I took that wooden spoon, which by the way, <sighs> left a huge welt. And I was so mad. I was like, damn it, because I wanted to see how far we could go with this the father thoughts but, but did the, you know that it's a wooden spoon i didn't know no, no my body you just her felt body your knows. body, knew. Her body yeah knew. Now, just important to know isn't that crazy yeah. so then um but that from that moment on every time i have these limiting thoughts i mean my ass was black and blue for two weeks i mean i had bruises and welts and open wounds like it was bad and it reminded me like every time now that I have a limiting belief, it reminds me that this is how badly, literally black and blue is how badly I was beating myself up in my mind. And so since then, I have not beat myself up like that. I've been wow. so much more loving and kind, which I knew because I teach inner child work and I teach you how to be a loving parent to yourself. And so I had all of these tools to be a loving parent to myself. I just didn't know how to stop all the negativity you know, it cut through all the physical cut through all the all the physical to well, to really shock your system it's almost like it's, it's and i a, wonder if that's a form of kind of shock therapy and how and how you see it and you and consider even using it that you're allowing yourself to really let go of control you were talking about earlier being so controlling and bitchy and 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 so just yes. you know talk about that a little bit what does that all mean i'm curious and then it's, it's a paradoxical uh, situation whereby you know, the pain and the beating is actual healing. So yeah. it's a, it's right. a, it's a, it's a real so crazy. strange right. situation. So that, that shock so of pain. Well, that's why I'm asking about this other yeah. thing. So yeah, so it, well, it, it awakened you and do you use that? And is it, a, is it an important tool for us, for us to, how to embrace those paradoxes? I mean, that's, that's the whole thing. Well, I love this. I don't know how exactly how to answer your question. I just know that my experience is that now I, um, when those negative thoughts come up, I have a very visceral, visceral memory of how hard I beat myself, quote unquote, beat myself. And I immediately stop it. So, so that's what's happening experientially and viscerally for me. But was the that, paradox, that be, yeah, go ahead. Paradox. Yeah. The paradoxical piece for me, it, it's interesting because as <laughs> so I manifest really very, very quickly. So after I had this experience with my dom, she brought in another guy. I watched her do a session with him, which was complete torture. I, I don't even want to go into details because it was just completely torture. It was very fascinating. And then after I left there, I said, okay, universe, I want to sub. The next day I'm on the, I'm chatting with a friend of mine. And he said that he 
you know, what was your weekend like? And he said, oh, I, it was full of adrenaline. I said, so was mine. And he said, I jumped out of a plane and I said, mine's not safe for work, <laughs> you know? And he's like, what are you doing? And so I told him, I, I'm learning to be a dominatrix. I'm looking for a submissive. And he goes, I've always wanted to be a submissive. And I was like, do you want to be my submissive? And like the next day I got a submissive. Amazing. Now, what was very amazing about this relationship was I was allowed to completely express this control controlling, dominating, bitchy, um, uh, like demanding part of myself. Right. And he was like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Got it. I got it. I got it. And, and anytime he wasn't, he would say yellow or red. I mean, we got to the point where I was like, send me all your financial documents because I want to organize your life. And he was like, yellow, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I was like, is that a hard limit? And he's like, no, madam, you know, like we're going to, we're, we're pursuing. And so actually it's great. Cause it's, you know, now all this time later, his life is like really amazing. He's got all of his finances in order. He's like exercising. He's like taking care of his depression. It's amazing what's happened. But anyway, so as I experienced more and more of this, what I'm going to call feminine power, because it felt like the masculine inside of me, but really it was the feminine, like demanding what she wants and the masculine saying, yes, ma'am, I've got it. Yes, I've got you. I've got you. This amazing thing happened to me that I'd never experienced in my entire life before, which was that I trusted a man. Trusted a man. I trusted a man. Wow. Because he, he had me, he got me. He, he was willing to like do whatever I wanted. And I never felt more feminine in my entire life. And he had never felt more masculine in his entire life. Wow. Now this is a guy. Talk about paradoxical. What we just are like, wow. Yeah. Paradoxical. This is a guy who, you know, if you looked at him from afar back then, you would say, Ooh, that's a nerdy, dorky guy without any confidence. You know, like he was depressed, anxious, and, and we had this experience and it just blossomed him into his masculine. And he felt like he was able to provide for me in such an amazing way. And I felt like he's got me. It doesn't matter what crazy shit I asked for. He's like, I got you. And I was able to finally, for the first time ever, relax and let a man like hold space for me. So that actually brings me to the question about the control piece, because once you're actually exhibiting control through this physical dom behavior, does it allow you for yourself to let go of that heavy hold that you were talking about at the beginning, the grip they used to have on life and on people? Does that actually have an impact on your consciousness in that way? Like, Well, it's interesting because the type of domination that I like to do is much, much more pleasure centered. So my dom is much more, uh, like what's, what's the word they use? It's like aggression is the word that comes to my mind, but there's a word for it in BDSM, but I don't, I don't remember exactly the, the word. Escapes. Sadistic. Yes. Sure. In BDSM. Okay. Sure. More sadistic or more just aggressive, like violent where for me, I like more of the tease and denial and the, the pleasure and pain. Like I want to bring your senses all up all the way. I want to, and I'm playing with the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. So because I have all this like knowledge, you know, I'm able to really, yeah, really kind of, I hate to say it, but like mess with people, but in such a great way, it's such a healing way. So what we do is what I do, I create an environment of like complete neutrality, 
you, you can't experience anything. You're tied up, you're bound, you're blindfolded, nothing is happening. And then I will create either noises, loud, no scary things that put your body immediately into cortisol, flooding and adrenaline, or soft, gentle, sensual things that are arousing and relaxing. And I'll switch back and forth. And it's like a roller coaster ride. Actually sounds like something I would love where I haven't loved what I thought was more of the aggressive that I've seen kind of inflicting pain as a purpose. I love the bringing myself to my edges. So I didn't even know that was called. Yeah. It's um, actually called edging. <laughs> I, it's, I know it's called edging. Yeah. So I, I've done edging with my, with my boyfriend as well, but I have not done it in a, in a, in a constructed way that has the pain and pleasure as a whole like in that, luck, in luck that in a session, in that session, that sounds like such an interesting way to, for you to work with someone. And is that what you're doing more of now with your actual professional work? No, no, I'm not just actually. Oh, okay. No, I'm not actually doing it all in my professional work. Um, this is just for me. It's play. I mean, I for a while there I was going to fetish parties and doing it with people at the parties. And it, you know, it's just a good time. Um, it's are you not to do that in your current relationship because I know you had mentioned you're in a monogamous relationship, so it just brings us to that. So it gives people an understanding of kind of the whole framing. Okay, so this is this is new. Uh, we've only been dating a couple of weeks. So we dated. It's it's an. It's, I love this story. You're gonna love this story. I'm gonna tell this story. So. We started dating, um, actually I was in an open relationship with a couple of people. And when I met this person that I'm with now, it was like fireworks went off. Everything inside of me was like, this is the way. And I actually ended it with my other partners and they were fine because they could see what was happening with the two of us. So it was what all was happening with the two of you. I mean, just, it was fireworks. It was yeah. amazing. It was I mean, everyone could see it. It, it, it. Have you ever had seen a glow? It? You had an. Uh, You've uh, seen it. You saw it vibration. On me. Yeah, I saw it on you and your person. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You saw it on me. So I believe in relationship. It's incredibly important to be communicative about everything. Absolutely everything. All the emotions. How are you doing? How are you feeling? This is how I'm doing. This is how I'm feeling. How do we negotiate this? How do we figure out what we're doing? This is how I coach my clients. And so it was pretty effortless to terminate the sexual relationship with these other people that I was in and continue the intimate relationship that I have with them. And that was okay with the guy that I'm dating. That's okay. That's okay for me to have these close relationships as long as there's no sex, which is fine because actually I don't, I don't want to have sex with anybody but him anyway at this point, which is an interesting thing that's happened for me. And we dated for a while. He got sick. Then he got sick again Got, he has his own business. He's just started. It started really booming. He got exhausted and we took a break. When he first ended it, I, I was devastated and I wrote a song, which I put on Facebook. And then he heard the song and he came back. <laughs> and then we tried again to make it work, but he needed to readjust the way that he was living. He needed much more time for himself and a whole lot more space away from me. And he had been trying to make things work for me. Um, in a way that wasn't working for him. Like he was trying to meet my needs without meeting his own, <clears throat> which I actually didn't know about. So he was being one of these like silent, masculine, protective masculine, you know what I mean? The, the, I'm trying to like provide for my woman and take on all the burden. So I didn't realize that that was happening at the time. So when we started 
dating again the second time, it was very strange because he was taking a lot of time and there was a lot of space and I was not okay with it. And everything inside of me that had trauma and anxiety was flaring up. And so I said, you know what? I can't do relationship like this. I got to go. And so a couple, like probably a week later, I was like, oh, I made a huge mistake. I need to learn how to be patient. And he's like, no, it's over. So we actually had a three month hiatus. And in that three months, I wrote five songs total for him. And I actually ended up taking them into the recording studio. So I've been a musician the whole time. So, so for me, the way that law of attraction and energy and all of that works is I'm going to, I'm going to do what I call follow the fun, Um, follow the good feelings, follow the pleasure, follow what feels good and right. If I have a quote unquote bad feeling, there's no such thing as bad feelings, but if I have a quote unquote bad feeling, that's just a signpost indicating to me that I'm heading in the wrong direction. So every time I think about letting go of this guy, I cry and I go, well, this doesn't seem right. I'm heading in the wrong direction if I let go of him, but he's already let go of me. So I said to myself, fine, the whole thing is all an illusion anyway. I'm going to claim him as my own and I'm going to make space for him to come back. And I'm just going to keep loving him as if he's here. And I did that the whole three months. And Finally, I got to a point after three months where I said, Heather, he's not coming back. You have to let go. And I cried and screamed and like, I let go. And my girlfriends were like, you need to do online dating. And then I said, I don't do online dating because the way it works is as soon as I want something, it comes like this. I have to be very careful about what I ask for. If I do online dating, I'm just going to break my own heart because I don't want another partner. And so I did this whole crying. I let go of him. Two days later, I wrote, I said, okay, universe, you want clarity? Here's fucking clarity. I wrote 96 things that I want in a primary partner, wrote it all down. 96. 96. And I was not done. <laughs> Two days later, he texts me. How are you doing today? Two days later. <gasps> Two days later. Wow. So basically I. Wait, does space. he have all those 96 things? He least? has 95 of them. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, 95 qualities. Wow. I didn't know that there's <laughs> so see many. This That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, so, I'm madly in love with the guy. He he's everything so he I ever wanted. your dom side and can you yeah. do that outside of his is that's not sexual. So you right. can do that outside. So we're, well, and it, for me, it is, it's sensual and it's sexual. Um, and there's a lot of pleasure involved. And so we're, we're in conversation about that right now. He's okay with it. I asked, you know, I actually had a friend say, Hey, I want you to teach me to be a dominatrix. And I said, okay, but the way that we do that is that you get to be my sub. And she said, okay, let me think about it. And then I asked him, what do you think about this? And he said, yeah, I'm okay with it. So, so we'll one see. step at a time. One okay. step at a time. Well, yeah, we'll see. Because And also, everything is vibration. So as soon as I'm okay with it, he'll be okay with it. But I've been single for the last three months, and I wasn't ready to bring this into a professional setting. So of course, he's not going to be ready for me to bring that into a professional setting. It has everything. Everything's vibration. So as soon as I get, if I ever, I'm allowing the universe to show me what you know, what works for me and what doesn't. And if it ever gets to the point where I'm aligned with being a dominatrix as a profession and making money doing it. Yeah, sure. Then, then he will get aligned also because that's just how energy works. How I don't even have you? to say anything. I'm 45. She's no, no. Uh, how old are your children? Are kids? Yeah. 14. Come and back 16. to that just now too. So do they know what you're doing? Do they know um, all your no, aspects? But Except for he's the, no. walking through the house right now. So he's listening. So, but, <laughs> but how does that feel? I mean, okay. So, so that's what I do wonder about. 
about the how have they do you think you'll explain to them how BDSM works or if they want to know point, sure if they know. Okay. I mean we talk the way that I I work as a parent uh, as far as sexuality goes is don't look on the internet don't go to the internet for answers like I'm willing to tell you whatever you want to know and I'm not going to tell you more than what you want to know because <clears throat> when I went to my parents as a child they took some seminar that was like be an askable parent and uh, evidently <laughs> that meant tell your kids absolutely everything. And it was inappropriate to me. So I always ask my kids, I, I, do you have any questions about it? Yes, we have questions. What does this mean? What is this? What, how do you do that? Whatever. And I always try to answer it very sort of scientifically. Like this goes here and this is what this is. And this is the definition of that. And do you have more questions? Yes. Okay. So then we, then we can get into more of the details of it. Do you have more questions? No. Do you want to hear more about this? No. Do you want to hear more about this? Yes. So I like to follow their guidance when it comes to talking about sex, which has been really funny for me because they'll push me further than I'm willing to go sometimes. So they'll, they'll ask me questions or they'll say things that I'm like, oh my God, you should never have this conversation with your children, <laughs> but I'm letting them lead. I'm letting them guide and I'm following them. And so we never, the way- I'm saying never is always a, a, a red flag, right? Well, because, right. But because, I, mean, it, yeah. I mean, some of these conversations, some of, some of the things that they talk about are, are uncomfortable. They're, they're not socially acceptable. You know, there's a lot of shame involved socially. And uh, you, if people knew what I talked about with my kids, I, you know, there'd be humongous judgment around it. So, but they're leading. Well- this is uh, definitely have been um, the most paradoxical uh, interview paradoxical. that we have done. In uh, what I'm what I'm thinking about, you know, here it is. You are heading toward the open nesting stage, but you are actually thinking about having another child. Yeah. So while other people are dreaming to that stage where they don't have the responsibility of children, where they can pursue their own dreams, their own careers, their own, you're actually opening another nest and you're thinking about, hey, I'm going to have another child with a curly hair. Well, well, if you think about it, I haven't stopped living because I have children. I'm producing yeah. music. I started my own of business. Course. I'm going to fetish parties. I'm whatever, dating, right. not dating, being single, being whatever. But, um, but you're still I, responsible and you know you are the guardian of your children. Yeah. So, and yeah, I, have, I have them half the time with their dad, who's one of my best friends and he's amazing. And so, you know, we negotiate all the time too. Hey, when do you want them? When do you want them? You know, can I take them? Can I take them? So I feel, I feel super blessed as a parent, as a divorced parent. I, I don't think that a lot of people get to have the experience that I have of feeling so incredibly free 50% of the time. And the other 50% of the time being this like amazing, present, responsible parent. Because during the time that I'm free, I get to recharge my own energy and batteries. And then when I'm with my kids, I get to give them all of my mothering. And also to have a, a partner, you know, he's not my, my spouse, but he is my co-parenting partner who's just so incredibly emotionally uh, supportive, uh, intellectually supportive. Yeah. And I think that the way that we parent is we just, we both assume a hundred percent responsibility of the kids. And so then when the other one 
takes them 50% of the time. It's like, wow, thanks. You're amazing. You're awesome. I'm so grateful to have you. And it's this never ending experience of gratitude so, instead of this expect place of expectations, which is the, I think is where most. So, so outside of having another child, your life is not really going to change once the kids go to school and you become an open, uh, an open nester. They're not going to change. And that's, that's really what you're saying. Yeah. I don't think much will change. I, yeah. I, I hope, you know, no, I, I think I can still come and visit them. and yeah. When we set when we set it up for the lives we want to live, I think before we come open nesters, this is interesting anyway, and something we've discussed before is that we did that even before our kids left the nest. Right. But we're trying to help people look at this transition time, which offers an opportunity for growth. So we can now circle back to maybe how people can contact you because you do transformational coaching in so many of the areas we discussed from a very spiritual, from a really incredibly intuitive place. And I, and I do want you to give some information about how people can reach you. Heather. Well, and also I'm, I'm a... <laughs> I'm an anxious analyzer, right? So I've spent 20 years of my life researching and I, I'm, I like scientific research. So everything that I'm teaching from, all of the patterning that I've learned in psychology is incredibly research-based. So you have this spiritual piece, this intuitive spiritual piece that's very connecting and very loving and i want to show you how to take care of your inner child and reparent yourself and at the same time it's coming from this wealth of researched background it's not, not only research but all the personal experience and personal experience absolutely and i take the research and, and this is the hardest part for anybody that i coach and for me is to take the research and actually apply it to your own life and I right. feel like I can't teach somebody how to do that if I haven't already done it. You have, the, you have another application, sure. Yeah. So tell us how we can reach you. Well, you can find me, I mean, all over the place. My name is Heather Lee, L-E-I-G-H, Hundhausen, H-U-N-D-H-A-U-S-E-N. -E and uh, so my website is heatherhundhausen.com. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I think all my other handles are H Lee Hund, so H L E I G H H U N D. Um, so any any social media is a great place to connect. My website is a place to connect. Um, I'm on Google Maps. Like if you Google me, you can directly uh, message me from from Google. If you Google Heather Hundhausen, it'll show you where my office is. You can directly Google me from there. You can directly call me from there. Awesome! Wow, what a, an incredible treat today yeah. I mean, beyond much more than just a treat really an opening and and i feel so lucky to it's, be, it's be also a, an incredible opening for for me personally to to hear about the dom and and the uh, the experiences that you had and how uh, the actual pain is actually a healing so which the, the paradox of this uh program and interview is just fascinating to me right now so i'm kind of like digesting everything as you speak Thank well, you so much. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Here's a preview of our upcoming episode with Tommy Nora, Transforming Grief and Pain Through Art and Spirituality. And that in, in a process of moving more and more and more, starting with myself, finding that I'm not alone, expressing, releasing, crying, sobbing, not sleeping at night, feeling for the first time some kind of uh, I don't know, fear or that was very deep. And uh, I and the art and doing and meeting with the regular life of raising my kids and, and working with my work to support myself. I did the art and that really 
helped me a lot. And let's get back to the summary of our episode with Heather Hunthausen. Well, I think that we titled this particular episode properly, Paradoxical Powers, Healing with the Dominatrix, because there are so many, many paradoxes here. For example, she felt being very, very feminine by being very, very powerful, very masculine. And he, her sub, was being felt very, very masculine by actually being powerless and letting go. It's so true. And it's, uh, it's amazing. It's and then the other one is like the, uh, actually healing through pain. Usually you, you, you don't heal through pain. You, you, <laughs> you heal we from pain. pain or, not, we have, not, or we have like fear and free. We, we, exactly. we, have, we completely avoid pain or we have to overcome it with grit and rather than opening. Like these whole ideas of opening to this kind of a healing that she relaxed to let him lead, and that's how she blossomed. I mean... Correct. And, and this, this is where the paradox are, and this is how interesting and intriguing this whole episode is. And if there's an open nester out there that's saying, hey, you know what? I want to try this. I want to know what this is all about. This is a great episode just to have a, a very soft entry into the BDSM and the kink because it's not heavy into kink. It, she just described her lifestyle, what she's doing, how she's attending fetish parties, how she's continued to be a parent for young children while she's going through her lifestyle and being a coach to uh, others. And the, and the intuitive part is really important to me. She started out with that, but the idea that intuition gave her the chance to love people more deeply and be this magnet of attracting what is supposed to come to her life and the strippers and the people that are actually in the BDSM world who actually were attracted to her, so it ended up opening her consciousness around that. And it was her inner child work, almost like she reparented herself through her own trauma by being this coach. So we co-create in coaching. And that's what was so really fascinating to me. Yeah, it's a fascinating and intriguing episode, and it's uh, very informative and full of good stories, real-life stories, and something that she has experienced. So... We'll keep on trying to experiment with what pushes our edges because I think that's a big part of that is like, what do we not know? What is coming into our lives that we can open to? So that's the suggestion from this episode and for us as well. Right. And we continue to, uh, us as a couple, continue to expand our horizon and continue to look for those intrigues. Uh, Being in an open nesting stage of our life. Right, Tessa? Absolutely. So anyway, uh, if you like this episode, we recommend a couple of others for you during the episode, episode uh, 6 and episode 18. Go to our website. There's a list of all of our episodes. Just go there, click on number 6 or number 18, and there you go. Wema. Anyway, uh, if you're already on our website, please leave us a comment. uh, Fill up the uh, listener survey. Let us know what you think, which other topics you'd like us to discuss, and we would love to hear from you. And I'd like to take this opportunity to thank all of you that made this Open Nesting Podcast such a popular and relevant topic to discussion. And please do join us on our uh, Facebook page, our closed private Facebook page to discuss this topic. Just go to The Open Nesters and we're on social media, The Open Nesters, or at T Nesters on Twitter. And love to have your participation to help us grow the social media side of things. 
and tell your friends about this episode and pass it on because it's in their ears and they can learn something from it. And actually, I'm working with a lot of men on the idea of intimacy and play myself. If you go to my page, which is Tessa on the Open Nesters website, which is theopennesters with two ends in the middle, dot com. And please stay tuned right after this episode for a teaser and a summary of our next episode with Tommy Noah. Till next time, this is Amir. And this is Tessa. Bye.